Join spiritual feminist and empowerment coach Joni Advent Maher for Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. Listen in for intimate conversations about money, transformation, and feminine sovereignty. And now, your host, Joni Advent Maher. Welcome to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow. I'm your host, Joni Advent Maher. I'm a spiritual midwife and a transformational guide, and I am so delighted to welcome Marcy Brenner to the podcast today. Welcome, Marcy. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Joni. Oh, my honor and pleasure. So let me tell our listeners a little bit more about the wonder that is Marcy. (laughs) Marcy Brenner is a baker's daughter. She's a musician, a writer, and an advanced breast cancer survivor. And she lives on a remote island of Ocracoke off the coast of North Carolina with her husband, Lou Castro. And together, they are the duo Coyote, and their magical venue, Coyote Music Den, is the site of live concerts, Marcy's writing studio, and Lou's lesson studio. Mm. It's quite, quite a life you have created for yourself, Marcy. I like the way that you said that because it has been very intentional. Mm. Yeah, you have you have quite a story and quite a journey uh, that we've we were talking about a little bit before we started recording. But I I just want to ask you, where would you like to dive in? What what feels important for you to name in terms of how you created this life that you have today? Well, I think that uh, it all started you know, from uh, of the cancer diagnosis, you know, the worst, the, one of the worst things is one of the best things. It's uh, just gave me so many backhanded gifts and it gave me the gift of a question. Mm. The question was, am I living the life I want to live? Now, you might need a little backstory to understand the impact of the fact that there was an answer, that there was a no in there anywhere was a big surprise because my life from the outside looking from the outside looked perfect, looked amazing. Mm. Um, But it really, you know, in ways that were very important and maybe very quiet, um, I had some work to do. And um, the cancer was just a gift for me to wake up, you know, wake up call to life, if you will. And I began to answer that question of of where was it, where was my life not working? And the biggest one was my marriage. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I have come to find out that through support groups and through my advocacy work that that happens to a lot of women and men, you know, stereotypically, you know, want to fix things and, and I love them for it. But there are some things that aren't fixable. And um, I just needed my husband to be my hero. And he was not up to the task. And I had to I had to leave him. I had to I had to leave my life. Mm. I was 3,000 miles away in California, <laughs> and I left my life and went back to my home turf because that's where I needed to be. My life was threatened. 
I needed help. And um, I think that's the thing that I'd like to touch on the most is the gift of that question for sure, but also um, community and, and other women, other people, the need to ask for help was very hard. Hmm. And my husband's family uh, it was a famous rich family and they just didn't, let me just speak with my husband. I don't know about the whole rest of the family, but for him, I don't think he felt like he needed other people. Mm. And the thing is, is we need each other in this life. Yeah. So that I think is one of the most important things is the understanding of, of community connection, relationships uh, with people to have a community to, to be able to ask for help and then and to be able to help others. Mm. Yes, I, I certainly have just through my own challenges of, of living and uh, heart, hardships that have come up over time. It, it really is the thing that binds us to each other. It is through our pain that we are able to connect in ways and open to each other in ways that when everything's going great, we don't necessarily need to do uh, with such depth mm -hmm. and tenderness. It's, it's true. And, and it's in that place of, of community and togetherness where one of the most important things in life also to me, and I think to all of us, is where story happens. Mm. And I just feel like what else is there but story? Everything else is hearsay. Mm. Mm. So we have to, you know, be able to be brave enough to tell our stories and, and equally brave enough to, to hear others' stories, to listen. You know? Yes, to be witnessed and to also be affected by other people's stories. And I, I will say that my, my first experience of you was as a musician and listening to your songs, not, not all of which, uh, not all the music you were performing were your songs, but a number of them were. And I was so touched by the power of your storytelling through music. Mm. Thank you. That's one of my favorite forms of storytelling. I, I have also been um, cultivating my ability to stand in front of people and tell the story that, that comes in that moment, which, which is a, a very sacred practice for me as well. Um, sitting still, you know, was a real gift of being ill because um, I had no choice but to learn how to sit still. And uh, a lot of things caught up to me that I needed to work on. In that stillness. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm I, I'm struck by because this this is what you said twenty years ago now that the the first diagnosis. Yes. 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 The diagnosis and surgery. I had my left breast removed, and I went through chemotherapy, and. Um, that moment when the bandages came off, I really just didn't know how that was going to be. Uh, I was only 34 years old. Um, you know, uh, gosh, my breasts were my friends, but one of them, you know, sort of turned against me and I had to let it go to save the rest of me. But um, I didn't know how that was going to feel. And I had my sister on one side and my then husband on the other. 
and the bandages came off and it was beautiful. It was okay, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I had done a lot of work to have that be okay. And so then I, I realized, okay, that's what I'm going to do with my life is I'm going to help other people realize that it's okay. Mm. So it was really that day. It was that moment. I'll never, you know, I'll never forget it. Mm. And that, that is part of what you do now. Yes, you do ad- advocacy work and outreach work. I do. I do. And I do um, a lot of speaking. People have me come and speak to different different groups, from scientists to physicians, where I'm sort of the layperson, the blood and guts of it, you know, um, to support groups and women's groups and annual conferences, hospitals, things like that. Mm. One on one, a lot of one on one. So, how has your experience of the feminine? I would say, I guess the question is how how have you experienced that presence in whether it's this story or your the story of your life. Um, how has she been showing up in in your world? I call her the Great Mother, and uh, it's very important to get in touch with that. I have to I have to say, the older I I got in my life, the more I realized that that was important. Um, my friendships with women now are are just are just so deep and sacred to me. I think intuition. Intuition and trust have come from that awakening, you know, to the feminine, to the sacred feminine. The sitting still, the compassion for other people, the connection. Mm-hmm. You know, I have found that most people are willing to play and they're willing to just dive in if, if, you, if you're willing to go first, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why I wrote that song, Dead Girl Walking, is I really just wanted to say what it was like to walk around with an advanced breast cancer reality. Mm. And um, the music was really happy. And the words, Dead Girl Walking sounds kind of scary and dark, but it's really positive. And it really comes down to what I realized after the song was done and I began to share it with other people that we're all dead girls walking, Mm. you know? And so, and that we just need each other, you know? Yes, yes. So I'm going to suggest that we pause for a moment and we actually play that song because it is such a powerful song and has so much to say to all of us.
is that is potent medicine as i like to say it's about being alive for me you know yes. live life alive became my my motto if you will <laughs> mm. yes and i i had mentioned to you earlier that that idea uh that you mention of tragedy happens every day and this fear I carry has many names that 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 really touched me uh, in my in my own journey that that idea that there are so many uh, painful things happening every day in our lives or in the lives of women or men or children that we love people that we love and it's it's how we meet that and what we do with that and I think I also really mean to also convey there that um, tragedy is ordinary. You know, my tragedy is just mine. You know, it's nothing extraordinary. It's it's part of the soup that we're that we're all in. And so, tragedy won't end. Um, uh, and the the next beautiful thing and the next tough thing is coming down the road. And uh, it's it's it, that it's ordinary. It sounds funny to me to say it that way, but it's part of our lives. And so, I just found, had to find a way to to juggle that and a place to to not just shove it away in a shelf, but actually play with it some and see what what was in there. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious about your experience with, as an artist, um, as a songwriter, and does it allow you to transmute or you said you needed a place to to put that or somewhere somewhere to hold that so talk, can you just talk a little bit about your songwriting or about your 
creating of story and how that works for you? Yeah, sure. Um, well, like I said, you know, story to me is everything is story. And I love to hear other people's stories. And I read a lot of autobiographies and documentary films. And I just learn so much when I hear how somebody negotiated their life and what they learned and, and the choices that they made. I'd like to write a story about, you know, all the choices that I didn't make and what those would, what would have those ended up being like, you know? Um, my husband's first love passed away last week, young. Wow. And, and I said, Lou, you're, if you had married, you would have just lost your wife. And it, it just kind of blew our minds to, to imagine all the different choices in life that, that led us to where we are and, and how, how perfect they all are. And I think that's part of the feminine flow is in my life is to, uh, to sit still and to recognize that um, I don't, I'm insanely positive, Joni. So really, everything's <laughs> sort of good, you know. Where's the good in it? Yeah, I'm always looking for the good in it. Comedians look for the funny in it, and and I look for the for the lesson in it and the, the good in it. And story, the the songs for me are are like little babies, and uh, they demand to be written. I, I write pages and pages and pages of the story before I find out what story it is that wants to be told and um and then and then there it is and the music usually happens some someplace in there and Lou and I have an interesting collaborative process that involves a lot of um, trust and and safety with each other and validation you know we validate each other's ideas and inspire each other so, and that's what happens with other women and other artists who are connected to their creative flow. Hmm. So I have a, a really big smile on my face <laughs> because <laughs> I'm just imagining you uh, because I have, you know, I've attended your concerts and I, I just wish that I could give everyone just a little like glimmer video snapshot of, of you uh, performing and expressing and, because you are, you just transmit so powerfully both that positivity that you mentioned and, you know, it's like the, the essence of transformation. It's like from the tragedy to the transformation. Um, and I, I, it's just one of the things that, that I tremendously admire about you and, you know, that, that you always leave, I always leave feeling lighter uh, well, oh, that's nice. Yes, and that that is one of the gifts that you bring. Um, you know, is that lightness of being and of that, like helping us remember collectively, like let there be light. You know that there is um, that there is some lightness, regardless of what tragedy might be occurring yeah. in our like, life today. We have a choice. Happiness is a choice. Yeah. And I wrote a song called Sleeping with Lucky, and it was really an exploration of luck. And luck is a choice. You can choose to, oh, I'm a lucky girl. I'm a lucky, you know, I'm really lucky. Or, mm -hmm. or you can go to the other place, which is I'm really unlucky. And uh, it's, it's important to allow that in, too. I'm not some, you know, crazy person that's always delighted with life <laughs> <laughs> but um 
oh, gosh, I have a choice. So why not, you know, be grateful, you know, that I had my dad for 88 years, you know, mm. he, had to, he had to leave, but how great that I had him, you know, so I think it's, I think that's what I've come to is just to find the, find the good in things and focus on that. Mm. <laughs> Those two hours of a concert are sacred because not only do you, Joni, and the audience get to, if you will, you know, get away from your troubles, so to speak, mm -hmm. but we do too. You know, we get to, we get to go down in there and connect with you and with that oneness as mm -hmm. well. Because story is oneness. We all have the same stories. My songwriting mentor, Nick Vinay, used to say, write a love song. And I'd say, Nick, you know, there's a thousand love songs that have been written. And he said, not yours, you know, not the one you're going to write. And I realized that it's true about our stories. People say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't have a story. But you do. Mm. Everybody does. And they're sacred and precious and they're like little babies. And you know, I was had crippling stage fright. Um, really? <laughs> <laughs> Never would have guessed. Say, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm just a goofball, but um, and I'm just uh, brave with it. But uh, up until 2000, the year 2000, when I met Lou, he said, "You know, come on, let's go out and and share this music, you know, that we're writing and that we've discovered together." And I was so nervous. I mean, I just had crippling stage fright my whole life every time I had to perform in any recitals or anything it was just awful and the way I conquered that was to realize that it wasn't about me at all in fact it was sort of arrogant of me to be nervous and stuff because it wasn't about me mm. and I let go of my selfness in mm. it you know, do I have lipstick on my teeth? You know, <laughs> do I, you know, just stuff, all that mindy stuff, that monkey mind that happens. You know, I just realized it wasn't about me at all. And I, in fact, I had to get out of the way. Yes. And I did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and I'm so nervous to play that dead girl walking song because I thought, who am I to make people go on this journey from A to B? You know, yes, I deliver you safely at the end of that song, but how do I have the right as an artist to ask somebody to go there? And I would just not really have an answer to that question. And I would just sense on a given night, I'd, I'd think, oh, I think I need to sing that song. And Joni, every single time I would sing that song, there would be a little bald-headed lady that would come up to me or a group of them that would come up and say, oh, you said for us what we want to say. You, mm. you, you did it for us. Mm -hmm. and and I would just be grateful <laughs> wow yes and that to me is is the beauty and the gift of 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 the feminine both your being willing to listen and to trust you know to trust that knowing like to today's the day I, I need to sing the song um, and yeah, just the willingness to surrender to that. Um, and I was struck when you were sharing about the concert and how both the getting out of yourself, it, it really feels like a sacred communion event, you know, that, mm. it, that it is like communion, like we are all, music is a conduit to 
something greater and something deeper, something bigger, whatever superlative you want to use. Um, yeah. So it's just so true. It's so true. And then the amazing thing is that um, I have this little tiny kernel part of it, but then it opens up and the universe takes over and it's universal and the song gets to be whatever every person needs it to be. And that's when I feel like I've done my job. Yes, yes. And your willingness to say yes to be the <laughs> conduit. To have lipstick on your teeth in front of a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> or toilet paper on your shoe. Or... Right. But to... it's, a leap, it's a leap of faith. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and to, to realize time and again that you either fly or you're you're gently caught when you take those leaps of faith yeah and it's not about perfection either you know it's not about the clean closets that's what that, <laughs> that's what that line is about you know um my producer asked me once he said listen you can have some great songs you can have some clean closets decide but you can't you can't always do both and i realized <laughs> that clean closets were not the most important thing <laughs> thank goodness for that <laughs> <laughs> i agree I agree, because our whole life could be about cleaning closets if we allowed it to be. Yes, yes. But closets are dark and lonely and filled with dust bunnies, and they're not very rich, you know. No. <laughs> no, they're not. So I am feeling guided just to, to ask you about something about the partnership and the way you've created your work in the world and... Um, and actually money and kind of that that place of trust and creation and and supporting yourself through being an artist and an advocate how what mm. what might you say about that <laughs> as you started I, I, the word money came to my mind i wrote it down and uh yeah that's a that's a fun that's a fun one isn't it <laughs> very, very fraught with uh with prickly de details but um well, the, the money's been an interesting thing for me because I was married into that rich, famous family. And so that was a very interesting exercise journey. And I'm writing a memoir that includes mm. part of it, includes that experience, wow. which pretty much comes down to you can never have enough of what you really don't want. Wow. wow. Because the thing is. <laughs> wow. You know, you really, it's so cliche, but what you want is love, you know, and no amount of money is going to, you can't buy a loving. No. And so that I realized that through that wonderful experience, it was a wonderful experience. I loved my family then. You know, I loved it. I loved my husband. I still do. I mean, I love those people, um, but, but people aren't always good for you. Um, so it was kind of like being captured by wolves for a little while there. So it took a bit of bravery to say no to that. And I drove down that big fancy driveway in California and left it all behind me because it wasn't mine and I didn't need it or want it. I took what was mine and went back home and got rid of cancer. That's what my first job was. And then became that artist. And, you know, I remember sitting at, um, I'm a baker's daughter, so I watched my dad bake a loaf of bread at a time and a dozen cookies at a time. And he put us through college and we had a home and I never wanted for food. Um, 
he was the love of my life. He was just the most loving, kind person ever. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so that was that was a bit of a lesson to see how small activities repeated daily for f- seventy-five years can make a, a living. So I start being. This, I, was, I had this. I uh, lemonade stand when I was eight years old. I was eight, eight years old, and I still remember this moment. And I was sitting out there, and I said, "You know, I like business. I, I like all that stuff. I went to college. I got a business degree. I have part of my brain does that, and I like it." And I remember sitting there going, "I was a musician already back then. I was a musician uh, from the minute I can remember being alive uh, mm-hmm. till I could, when I could reach those piano keys." And um, I remember thinking, you know, I'll do this business thing so that I know that I can eat and everything. But when I'm 30, which felt like 100 years, <laughs> I want to be an artist. <laughs> and I, it happened. It's not in the way that I could have ever imagined, but it happened. And so I had this little chunk of time where I didn't have to think about money. Mm. And I sort of found myself in a, in a place there that then when I popped out of it, um, I dove into that artist self of mine. And I decided to be brave enough to be an artist and worry about money second. And it hasn't been easy. Mm. You know, it's an exercise every day in in having faith um, in the universe that it's going to support my work. And it has. Yes. I mean, it really has. Yes. (laughs) You know, I mean, I just, you know, I vowed I would go anywhere and do anything to help people through the basement, you know, of a cancer diagnosis. So I've, you know, driven hundreds, thousands of miles, you know, for a love offering. And, um, and I, I don't know, I just have always trusted that, that the money would follow. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, when, when we are doing our, our, our right, work our our sacred work in the world i know that we are supported in that 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 the universe does support us in that and sometimes it is a man matter of how do i how do i get out of the way to to allow the generosity to pour forth to support me um but i i think you are a living testament to that because you have a generosity of spirit, and it it's like life cannot help but um, bring that back to you. That's what I'm banking on. <laughs> um, but it but it really it's really something about that. I, it seemed like what I learned about that too was that like the more the more stuff you have the more physical things you have, the more you have to maintain those things. So I've learned, especially in the last 10 years of austerity that we all have learned, is um, what I really can live without. And a lot of that, what I thought was abundance, was really just kind of noise Mm. and just a bunch of stuff to keep track of and pay taxes on and insurance and Mm. wash it and paint it and maintain, you know, there's a lot of work in, in things. Mm. And I'm hoping, it seems like people are, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I just hope that other people realize that, again, you can't have enough of what you really don't want. Yes. <laughs> We're such a consumptive culture and 
it's a distraction, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I'm having an image because you live on an island and you live in an area where hurricanes are frequent or some regularity. I know that you have lived through some experiences of storm or hurricane, and I, I don't know why that's coming to me, but I, I know there are times when uh, the water levels have been pretty high, and I'm assuming that affects those things or those possessions or that maybe you've lost some things even that way. True. Very true. <clears throat> but the wonderful thing I lost living in a place with such a dynamic uh, reality like that is I've lost the illusion that I have any control <laughs> over anything except my attitude <laughs> see how insanely positive i can be i'm telling you you know there's nothing you can do and so the smallest examples of that are you know i have a dentist appointment in the town that i have to take a ferry to get to well the ferry's not running so i don't have my dentist appointment so i reschedule <laughs> yeah. you know it's just it's okay it's yes okay. There, there are no big deals. <laughs> well, really, it's almost true. <laughs> almost. I sure feel like big deals, though. I'm just very compassionate to the fact that yes. you know, life is very heavy for so many. It's yes. so hard. Yeah. It is. It, it is. But in that difficulty, I can always see it. I'm closing my eyes right now, and I'm seeing this light that peaks around the edge not unlike this the eclipse that we experienced yes yes where there's that little bit of light that comes through the edges of the moon where the craters are mm -hmm. and during the times of darkness that's what it's like i've never said this before i've never thought it before but it's so true mm. it's it's so true you're absolutely right and i i had the image I had the image myself, just as you were about to say it. Mm. <laughs> Powerful. Yes. Love it. Woo. I know. Don't you love it? Yes. And this, this is how we do it. This is how we birth uh, the new, the new, the new life, the new reality is just by the coming together and the tuning in and, and the naming and the receiving. Yes, and the not knowing, being comfortable with not knowing is 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 great. You can you can dive into something and and not know. Mm. It's, it's it's I think that's kind of what life is. Yes, it it makes me think about um, any stories of sacred feminine flow because those really are stories of that always start out with not knowing something. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Gosh. Were you asking question? Yeah. Yes. Do, <laughs> do you have a story of trusting? And I know you've shared many already, but is there one that comes to mind when you think about really trusting your sacred feminine flow? Hmm. Yes. Um, well, there are, there are many. Um, I'm really feel lucky to have found the ability to to take that leap. Um, and one of those leaps 
was um, a speaking engagement. And they asked me to come up to Northern Virginia to a very scientific event and be uh, in her shoes was my workshop and walking in her shoes. And so I was there to be the blood and guts and the living person uh, inside of the reality of what we're now studying as genetic ways to deal with disease. So I was around all these genetic scientists and counselors, and it was quite something very, very brainy. So I realized I needed to bring the other side of myself there. And every single experience that led up to this moment was guided in this way. And I had to keep leaping and keep trusting all day long. And the first one was I said, Lou, I don't know why I said yes to this, except that I say that I will go anywhere and do anything. And I'm going anywhere and I'm doing anything and I need to go to get to Maryland and get back that night. And he wow. said, I'll drive. He said, I'll drive you. Wow. You can prepare. Yeah. You can rest. I'll drive you while you do it. I'll sleep and then I'll drive us home. Mm. And that's what proceeded to happen. And it was uh, the most spirit-guided, uh, flow-guided experience ever. And it answered a myriad of questions, and it, it helped other people. And the words that came out, I don't even know what they were, but I had to tell a different story. And I had to tell a very, very deep story from my life about genetics and how they worked in my life with my mom and myself and my daughter. And uh, out it came, and it was just an amazing experience. It still kind of boggles my mind to this day. But uh, I had a circle of about 50 people, and I was supposed to do one thing, and a little voice in my left ear said, you have to tell a different story, and I did. Mm, mm, mm. And I didn't die, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody shot me, and it turned out to be the very best thing ever. Yes. Yes. Just the right, just the right thing that was needed. Mm. And I, I'm so struck by your loving and supportive partner to, to drive you. Cause that's not, not a short drive. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, it was about eight or nine hours each way. Yeah. Yeah. So you are, are blessed in good partnership that's for sure. I am. I am. And that's, a, you know, something we also cultivate and work hard to have, you know, because you just can't go unconscious. No. No, you can't. And, yeah, keep, keeping, keeping things clean, so to speak, or, or dealing with those pieces that come up that need tending is so important. And I think a lot of people think, especially women, I, I imagine uh, from my own experiences, just that we want to have some kind of balance. You know, we feel like we're supposed to have balance. And and on, at best, you know, you might find balance a little bit in any given day. But I think the the biggest mystery and the, the biggest gift is to find peace and in, in, in imbalance and, and just juggle it and wrestle with it and work with it. But the to-do list will never end and the balance will never stay. And, um, staying nimble and light on your feet, you know, is, is really important. And to be able to, to, uh, say yes to the most surprising things that you'll hear. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. You know. Yeah, it makes me think of riding a wave. Which, oh yeah, great metaphor. Yes, which makes me think of Ocracoke, where you live, <laughs> which is my happy place. <laughs> yes, thank you for sharing it with with us tourists. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we get we you know we get that the gift of that uh, uncertainty with the weather and the the fairies and all the things that affect our lives so so deeply that we have no control over. Mm. So. You know, it's pretty obvious here that we we get to do that. Yes, yes, that right. Most of us are a bit removed, probably much more than you are there. And it's it's one of the reasons I love it uh, because I can go to the point, which is the tip of the island, and every year it looks different, and just seeing the way that it shifts and changes and. It's, it's a real mirror for life. Yeah, it really does. And it's still itself, and it's still beautiful, and it's still accessible. It just has morphed a little bit. Every, every day here changes like that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so we are nearly at the end of our time, but, but I do want to ask you, as I always do, um, if you could share some wisdom from where you stand today with your younger self, what, whatever that means, whether it was yesterday or 50 years ago or <laughs> 20 years ago, what would you want to tell her? Well, that's such a tender thing. I have, um, I have a picture of myself that I keep in my writing space. And it's a picture of myself from my kindergarten class. Hmm. And that picture was the last picture taken of me before the magic went away and mm-hmm. went away is it's only temporary but that was when the time in my life where I was on that cusp from being you know in child life magic to realizing that there was a world and it had impacts and and you know reality began to begin to understand a little bit more about the world and so it seemed like the magic sort of went away but that picture I keep right in front of me to remember to be kind to her. Mm-hmm. That, you know, don't edit, don't self-edit and, and critique and judge uh, and use loud words, all caps, you know, if you will. And I, I remember her to be, to be kind to myself when I'm working, not be self-critical. But mostly she reminds me about waiting, about waiting, about trust, Hmm. about breath, Hmm. and uh, embracing life Hmm. in kindness Hmm. to myself. and she's very important to that. And I, and I, so she's telling me all the time, uh, be patient with yourself, wait, you know, be patient with the waiting, uh, remember to breathe, um, you know, be kind, be kind to yourself. Mm. Yeah. So that in that innocence and in that purity, there is, there is deep wisdom. 
Yeah, I, we come in with it and then we go out with it. Uh, sometimes I wish we could not have to recreate the wheel every life. That we could, <laughs> you know, let's start from you know someplace further along the line. But it's the it's the living that that gets us there. So you know you have to do it. Yes, that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what we're here for. <laughs> and that little girl learned to uh, to tell people that she loves them because she didn't. She learned then, at probably that moment, that you might not see them again. Mm -hmm. So tell every tell you know say what's so right now. Mm. Don't wait. Some things require waiting, and some things you shouldn't wait. Yes, that is a beautiful note for us to wrap up on. Mm. <laughs> Thank you for your thanks, Joni. Yes, for your thanks for your generosity and your lightness of being and your wisdom, your great wisdom. Thank you for your heart and wanting to go to the heart of it. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so you have two websites that our listeners can access you through. Uh, one is your music, your wonderful music with Lou at um, coyotemusic.net. And then your advocacy work uh, for cancer survivors you do through deadgirlwalking.net. Yes? Yep. Yes. And, and anything else listeners need to know if they wanted to reach you or see more of your story or... I'll go anywhere and I'll do anything to help people through the basement of a cancer diagnosis. Mm. I really will. And I have. And uh, I'm all over videos. If people want to see my goofy self making music, they can. <laughs> <laughs> Post stage fright. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> Never would have guessed that. <laughs> also want to thank you beautiful listener for spending some time with us today and as always to remind you until next time to always trust what your heart knows thanks for listening to trust your sacred feminine flow with Joni Advent Maher if you like what you heard the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes.